Chapter 25 Watching from the living room window, they saw the light go out in Snowman's room. It was a little after eleven. They waited another half hour before pulling on their down jackets and creeping quietly out the front door. The frigid night air felt good on Heather's face. They tried to walk silently down the front walk to the driveway, but a hard crust had formed over the deep snow, and their boots crunched loudly with each step. Heather had turned the porch light off an hour earlier. The moon was covered by a thick curtain of clouds. The two-story garage loomed ahead of them, black against the blue-black sky. Go around to the side, Heather whispered to Ben. If we open the front door, he'll hear us. Ben turned back to her and nodded solemnly. Even in the darkness, she could see the look of fear in his face. She was trying to ignore her own fear, forcing herself forward, forcing herself to ignore the heavy feeling in her stomach, the pounding of her heart, the paralyzing feeling that made her want to turn and run back to the warm safety of the house. If we get the check back, she thought, I'll never have to feel this kind of fear again. If we get the check back, we can call the police, and Snowman will be gone, taken away along with the fear. The snow had piled up against the side of the garage. Ben reached the side door first. He hesitated and looked back, waiting for Heather to catch up. They were both breathing hard, their breath rising in dark clouds in front of them. Heather grabbed the doorknob. It felt so cold in her bare hand, like a round icicle. She took a deep breath and held it as she turned the knob and pushed open the door, praying that it wouldn't squeak or scrape. The door opened silently. They stepped down the one concrete step into the dark, cluttered garage. Then they stood hand in hand, waiting for their eyes to adjust to the darkness. Soon the outline of Aunt Belle's car became visible. Heather could make out the rake and a stack of garden tools to their left. Her uncle's power mower stood beyond that. Okay, this way, she whispered, giving Ben's hand a tug. His hand was as cold and clammy as hers. The narrow stairway leading up to Snowman's room was at the back of the garage, black against the dark gray wall, as black as the opening to a cave. I'll go up first, Ben whispered. How will we find his shirt? We should have brought a flashlight, Heather whispered, shuddering. He'd see the light, Ben whispered. We don't want to wake him, remember? Of course, Heather thought, feeling stupid. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm in a complete panic. She took a deep breath and let it out slowly. Then she started to follow Ben toward the blackness of the stairway. Ow! She bumped something with her leg, and they clattered to the garage floor. Ben spun around. Heather bent down to pick it up. It was a wooden broom handle. Maybe I'll hold on to this, she thought, in case Snowman wakes up. I'll have a weapon. Had the noise alerted Snowman? They paused, listening. Nothing. Trying to walk without making a sound, she followed Ben up the narrow, concrete steps, leaning one hand against the back wall of the garage for support as she climbed. It seems like an endless climb. The air felt warmer as they reached the top. The room was heated by a duct from the furnace in the basement of the house. Snowman has all the comforts, Heather thought bitterly, but not for long. Ben stopped at the closed door at the top of the steps. For some reason, he turned back and looked at Heather, his features tight with fear. Go ahead, Heather whispered. There's no lock. Ben hesitated another few seconds, then turned the knob and pushed in the door. It creaked quietly as it opened. The room was pitch black. Ben stepped inside, disappearing into the darkness. Heather followed, three steps behind him. Snowman's bed was against the back wall, under the small window. Was he sleeping in it? Heather couldn't see that far, and she couldn't hear him. They took a few more steps into the room, walking carefully, silently over the bare floorboards. An armchair came into view a few yards in front of them. There were clothes tossed onto the chair. They both took another step, another step, listening for the sound of Snowman's breathing. Then the light suddenly clicked on. Oh! Heather cried out and dropped the broom handle. Hi, guys, 
Snowman was standing behind them at the doorway. He must have heard them coming up the stairs. He must have been lying in wait for them. Ben took a step toward him. Snowman had an iron tire jack in his hand. He raised it high and then brought it down hard on Ben's head. It made a horrifying thud as it connected. Ben didn't make a sound as he slumped to the floor. Then Snowman came after Heather. Chapter 26 Where are you taking me? Shut up, Heather. Don't ask questions. Snowman slammed down hard on a gas pedal, and Heather's car roared forward over the slick, icy road. Heather's hands were tied behind her, the rope so tight it hurt every time she tried to move. With Ben unconscious on the floor of his room, Snowman had grabbed her, tied her hands, then forced her out of the garage and into the house to get her bag with the car keys, covering her mouth with his gloved hand to keep her from screaming to her aunt. Then he had shoved her roughly into the passenger seat of her car and climbed behind the wheel. Now they were speeding on North Road, past dark houses and silent empty streets. Snowman stared straight ahead, his face calm, expressionless. Only his eyes revealed any emotion at all, and to Heather's horror, that emotion was excitement. Let me go, Snowman. I won't tell anyone about this, Heather said, not recognizing her high-pitched, frightened voice. She struggled to free her hands, but it hurt too much to move them. Snowman stared straight ahead out the windshield. He didn't reply. Really, Snowman, I'll pay you. Any amount you want. Just let me go, please. Shut up, he muttered under his breath. He slammed on the brakes. The car squealed and skidded to a stop. Heather peered out the window. The glass was entirely fogged. She couldn't see anything. Where are we, Snowman? Please? Where are we? He didn't answer. He climbed out and slammed his door. A few seconds later, he was pulling her roughly out of the car. It took a few seconds for her eyes to adjust to the darkness. Then she recognized the place, Swan Park. Snowman, let go of me. Please, I'll pay you. I can pay you any amount. Please. She was too frightened to think clearly. Where was he taking her? Why was he pulling her so hard? He dragged her up the sloping, snow-covered hill, then toward the woods. Snowman, please. Our favorite spot, he said quietly, calmly. He pulled her faster, both hands around her arm. She couldn't resist. If she tried to pull back, the rope around her hands cut into her wrists. Our secret spot, he said, a strange smile on his face. Our own secret spot. No one will find you here, Heather. No one can interrupt us now. He pulled her to the circular clearing in the woods, the clearing where they had built their snowman. There is no sign of the snowman now. The small hidden clearing was filled with fresh snow. It's so dark and so still, so unreal, Heather thought. What's he going to do to me now? Let me go, she said, giving it one last try. I'll give you all the money I have. I promise, and I won't tell anyone about anything. Please, snowman. He turned to her, that same strange smile on his face. Heather, you're such a bad little liar. He moved closer, lowering his head. He's going to kiss me, she thought. But then she felt a stab of pain, blinding, throbbing pain on the back of her head. And everything faded to black. Chapter 27 Heather opened her eyes, but everything remained black. I'm blind, she thought. The back of her head throbbed with pain. He hit me over the head, and now I'm blind. No. She tried to move. Couldn't. I'm not blind. I'm inside something. I'm wrapped inside something? She tried to move her hands, but the shock of pain made her stop. They were still tied. Her feet were tied, too, she realized. Where am I? It was hard to breathe. The air was cold, but stale. I'm not blind. I'm not blind. I'm not blind? And I haven't gone crazy. He's wrapped me in something hard and cold, and I can't move, can't break out. She heard a scraping sound from somewhere outside the shell she was in. She could feel tapping and pounding on her back. 
a familiar thudding sound, the sound of snow being packed. It was so cold, so dark in here, and suddenly she realized where she was. I'm packed in snow. He's packed me in snow. I'm inside a snowman. He's crazy. He's truly crazy. Who would think of such a thing? It's impossible. Impossible, but Heather knew it was true. She could feel Snowman putting on the finishing touches, packing the snow more tightly around her. I'm a living mummy, a living snow mummy, but not for long. Soon the air will be gone. Soon I'll be a dead snow mummy, and no one will find me. No one will look in this clearing. No one knows about this clearing, and no one could see me anyway until the snow melts. No one will find my body until the snow melts, my frozen body. No! She had to move, had to push her way out. She tried leaning forward. Maybe she could fall forward, fall out of it. No, it was packed too tightly. She couldn't move at all. Snowman seemed to have left. She couldn't hear him. She couldn't feel him packing on more snow. I've got to get my hands free, she thought. I've got to ignore the pain and get my hands free. Then maybe I can push my way out. She tried twisting her wrists. It hurts so much. The rope was wet now, and it cut even more painfully. Think, Heather. Try to think clearly. What can you do? What can you do to free yourself? She took a deep breath, inhaling the stale, frozen air, and fought the panic back. She listened. Was he still there? Was he standing there, admiring his snowman, his living snowman? Or had he driven away in her car, left her there to suffocate and freeze? No. I won't die here. I won't die inside this thing. Ignoring the searing pain, she twisted her wrists from side to side. Oh! It was so cold. So dark and so cold. To her surprise, the rope seemed to give a little. Ow! She twisted the wrist a little harder, a little faster. Yes, the rope was definitely slipping. Yes, she was loosening it. Yes, she could feel it move. A few seconds later, her right hand was free. She moved the fingers, trying to exercise the numbness from them. Then she tried to raise her arm. No room. She couldn't move it. The snow was packed so tightly she couldn't raise it. Then she remembered the lighter in her jeans pocket, the butane lighter she always carried. Could she reach it? If so, maybe she could burn her way out of the snowman or at least melt enough snow to be able to push through it. There was so little room to move in. It was so cold, so dark. But she didn't care about that now. She was close to getting out. She knew that. With just a little more effort, with just the right effort, she could get out. And I will get out, she told herself. And yes, her hand was in her jeans pocket. And yes, it gripped the butane lighter. And yes, she managed to pull it out of the pocket, and raised it just a little, and pointed the head of the lighter away from her and toward the snow. No! She almost dropped it. Gripping it more tightly, she fumbled it toward the snow again and moved her finger up to the top. She closed her eyes, even though she couldn't see anything anyway, and hoping, hoping against hope, hoping with all her strength, flicked the lighter. It didn't work. Chapter 28 Oh, please, please light! She hadn't tried to light her in years. It was probably completely dry, as dry as her hopes as dead as her future. Gasping in the stale air of her frozen prison, she flicked the lighter again. Please, please, light! No, it didn't work. About to give up, she flicked it one more time. This time it flamed. She saw the flaring light, then felt the heat of it. She held it against the snow till it burned through, leaving a small hole. Then she raised it a bit, and the hole enlarged. When it was big enough, she clicked off the lighter, gripping it tightly in her fist raised her arm and pushed her fist through the snow. Yes! One side of the snowman crumbled away. She frantically pushed snow out of the way, breathing deeply, uttering low cries of happiness of relief. I'm out! I'm free! I did it! Now to untie my feet. 
Oh, you! She wasn't free yet. Snowman stood watching her, his dark eyes cold and calm, his hands in his overcoat pockets. She wanted to cry out, scream at him, but her breath caught in her throat. He shook his head. Looks like I have to kill you the hard way, he said, his voice soft, nonchalant. He pulled off the long red wool scarf he was wearing around his neck and stretched it taut between his hands, moving toward her quickly. Chapter 29 No! Heather tried to move away, but her feet were tightly tied and she fell face forward into the snow. He grabbed her and pulled her up, his eyes as cold and smooth as black marbles. He raised the scarf and started to wrap it around her neck. No! She didn't even think about the lighter, didn't think about what she was doing. She flicked the top and the flames shot out, a streak of orange against the blackness of the night. Snowman's face filled with confusion. Then he screamed in fright as the front of his old overcoat burst into flames. Hey, help! He's actually lost his cool, she thought, and her next thought. What have I done? She stood as if paralyzed as he slapped at the flaming overcoat with both gloved hands. But the coat was ablaze. He looked like a frantic, wriggling torch. Help me! He tried pulling off the coat but he couldn't unbutton it with his gloves on. Screaming in pain and fear, he dived into the snow, rolling quickly. His screams echoed off the trees. The flames started to diminish, but his screams seemed to grow louder. No, it was another sound she was hearing, a sound far off on the other side of the trees. A wailing sound, growing louder, louder. Help me! The flashing red lights roared right through the woods and squealed to a halt at the edge of the clearing. There are two sets of lights, flashing red against the darkness. It took Heather a while to realize that they were police cars. It all seemed to be happening so fast, too fast to grasp it all, too fast to believe it. But there were police officers jumping out of the two cars. Two of them were huddled over Snowman, who was lying still, so still on his stomach in the snow. Two others came running over to Heather. Are you all right? One of them asked, his face flashing red, then black, red, then black. Yeah, I guess. And then there was Ben, a large, cross-shaped bandage on the top of his black hair. He ran quickly over the snow to her side, looking very concerned, bending down to untie her feet, then putting his arm around her shoulders. Hey, this is the kid the FBI is looking for, one of the police officers near Snowman exclaimed. Radio for an ambulance. He's burned pretty badly. Ben, Heather said, struggling to clear her head, struggling to make any sense of everything. You're okay, he said soothingly. Just relax. You're okay. Everything's going to be okay now. But how did you know, Ben? How did you know where to find me? She turned and stared at him, as if searching for the answer in his eyes. He looked away, embarrassed. That day, he said finally, that day you and Snowman came here and built that snowman? Yeah? Well, I was so jealous, Heather. I guess I was a little out of my head or something. I, uh, I followed you. I watched you. From those trees over there. I saw you, Heather exclaimed. I knew I saw someone spying on us. Yeah, that was me, Ben said guiltily. I'm so glad, Heather cried, and threw her arms around him, hugging him tightly. I just acted on a hunch tonight, Ben explained. This was such a hidden, secluded place. I just guessed he might take you here. Lucky guess, huh? Yeah, lucky guess. Heather smiled for the first time in a long while, her arms still around Ben's shoulders. But her smile quickly faded. The check, she said. Snowman must have the check in his shirt pocket. They hurried over to where Snowman was lying, unconscious. The police officers had carefully rolled him onto his back. The entire front of his overcoat was burned away, the material tattered and blackened. The front of his shirt was also burned completely away. The check had burned up with it. He'll be okay. The burns look like they're all superficial, one of the police officers told Heather. Can I go home now? Heather asked. 
I guess. I can see you've had a rough night. Your boyfriend there has already told us some of it on the way over here, but I'll need to get your story first thing in the morning. Heather agreed, and, suddenly feeling exhausted, started toward the car, Ben gently guiding her, his arm around her waist. Suddenly, she turned back and looked at the clearing, at the shattered clumps of hard snow that had been her snowman prison. It's okay, Ben said. I hated my uncle, Heather declared. If I hadn't let myself hate him so much... You can't blame yourself, Ben said. She turned back to Ben. It's like I was frozen with hate, but not anymore. Not ever again. Ben pulled her close. You are getting warmer, he said. This was one time she didn't laugh at one of Ben's jokes. Instead, she groaned and gave him a hard but playful shove. Then, leaning against each other, they made their way over the smooth, pale snow to her car. This concludes a Nightfall audiobooks production of The Snowman by R.L. Stein, a point horror novel. I'm Chris Ebinger, and thank you for listening to the Nightfall Audiobooks production of The Snowman by R.L. Stein. I like this book. I read it a bunch when I was a kid, and I remember the ending very clearly being that Heather was encased in a snowman, and she used a lighter to burn her way out. That is extremely unlikely. This lighter was a relic from her dad, and it was something that she kept close to her. It's years and years old. Lighters don't really retain their usefulness that long. You might get a year or two out of them. Not like several years without flicking the thing and getting it to work. That it worked in a wet environment and a cold environment like that, it's just pure fiction. I mean, it's probably likely, but maybe like 5% likely in this scenario. And the snow must not have been packed too tightly around Heather because she was able to get her hand free, get it into her pocket, and pull the lighter out and make it all work. So she must have had like, I don't know, a foot and a half worth of wiggle room in there. So that means the snow was starting to melt by the time she was able to move around, which is possible because she's 98 degrees Fahrenheit, because that's what her body temperature should be. It makes for a really cool ending and a really neat way to kill somebody, but it's extremely unlikely in a real-world scenario. One of R.L. Stein's favorite tropes is the teenager shoulders the problem and has to do it alone and completely ignores the advice of all their friends and does not call the police. In this scenario, the police would have helped out tremendously. It's Heather's word against snowman's, and since he didn't cash the check, it wasn't exactly a policy. It wasn't what he thought it was. She could have told the police, I met this guy, he came into the restaurant where I worked, he told me his brother was sick, I had money laying around, I gave it to him on good faith, and then he killed my uncle. Now he's blackmailing me. That happens all the time. Blackmail occurs all the time. They would have believed that scenario. That's not so unlikely. But characters just don't do that in R.L. Stein novels. They have to fix it for themselves. And usually it ends up like this, completely broken and you're stuck inside a snowman, trying to burn your way out with a very old Bic lighter. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at Nightfall Audio. You can drop me an email, nightfallaudiobooks at gmail.com, or on YouTube at Nightfall Audiobooks. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time.